yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. So we begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. I understand what Colin O'Rourke is saying about, you know, you have to maybe sometimes take a step back before you go forward. But footballers, good footballers, like say somebody like Donald Kyogen, who's been there for 10 years and it hasn't really kind of gotten any better. If anything, it has gotten worse. The team when it was announced was frightening, right? But it probably was Davy Fitz licking his lips going, I'm planned for this team. My match, my game plan is planned for those players. So maybe Limerick now need to throw an old curveball here and there because they have the, the players to do it. Sometimes when you're on the road, as long as they are too, maybe the energy levels aren't there. It was a busy championship weekend in both football and hurling, which leaves us with plenty to talk about on the latest episode of the Throw-In Podcast. Will Slattery here with you, and in part two of the show, John Milan and Eddie Brennan will be with us to look back on the opening round of the Hurling Round Robin Championship. But first, I'm delighted to be joined by Michael Verney, Frank Roach and Conor McKeown to chat football. And lads, it was a very busy weekend in the football championship. We had Galway and Roscommon going head-to-head in Hyde Park yesterday and Dublin and Kerry making their championships bows and also some intrigue in Ulster. Frank, for you, what was the kind of big talking point to come out of the weekend? Well, to be honest, I think the big, the biggest talking point is Meade's defeat in Tullamore. It, it, it may not have been the biggest match of the weekend. It may have been slightly off a slightly off-Broadway, and apologies to Mr. Verney on the line there, but me being demoted to the Talton Cup is a, is a huge story. It's not necessarily a surprise. Uh, other counties have found themselves in this in this pickle before, but because it's Mead, because of their history, um, some might say ancient history, but, you know, they were All-Ireland champions in 1999, were All-Ireland finalists in 2001. Um you know, reaching All-Ireland semi-finals recently is, I think, 2009. For them to be there and for it to happen probably under Colin O'Rourke's watch is a huge story. Yeah, Michael, you were there yesterday at the game. Obviously, from an awfully perspective, it was great. You were talking to Colin O'Rourke as well, and he was pretty blunt saying, we are where we deserve to be. He wasn't kind of saying, oh, we're, we've been unlucky or, you know, it was it was something that wasn't really foreseen. He was pretty blunt. Yeah, there was no element of luck to it, Will, to be fair. Um, Offaly were much the better team. I'll be straight with you. Like, we're down a good few bodies this year. Our captain, Johnny Maloney, uh, opted out. Niall McNamee is retired. Jordan Hayes, midfielder, is gone. Like, this, we probably played above ourselves yesterday, I would say. Um, and Mead kind of shot themselves in the foot at several occasions. They hit some, just some really bad... Um, shot selection at different stages they, their first point was on the board in 23 minutes and that was a hand-passed effort and you felt they needed to nearly, need to nearly get in that close to get the ball over the bar with some of the shots they'd taken before it ended only two points on the board at half time they brought on Ronan Jones and Jason Scully in particular and, they made, and Jack O'Connor as well um, in the second half and they all made a big impact but yeah it, it was Offaly's day in fairness um, a couple of great stories around it Peter Cunningham got married in Rome the Friday before last, came back from honeymoon the day before the game. Nigel Dunn had had a, a four-year exodus from the from the Offaly panel, thought he was finished with Offaly at 29, and now he's going to be playing in Crow Park next week at, at 33, having thought he was done. Um, And just, you know, just the whole element of, you know, the lad's honour and Liam Kearns as well, and Liam sadly passing away last month, and I can't imagine, you know, the effect that that's had on the squad, but They've really lifted themselves. He had goals for the squad. He had ideas of where, you know, where they could get to. Uh, and I'm sure he was shining down on them yesterday. It was just, um, it was a fantastic occasion. Jubilant scenes after. 
Um, and you know, we talked for the last couple of weeks um, about how much the provincial championships mean. And if you were out in the pitch in, in O'Connor Park yesterday, you'd know exactly what it meant awfully. First win over Mead in the championship since 2000. First time to get back to a Leinster semi-final since 2007. And, you know, we're not coming up against Dublin in the semi-final either. We have, we'd have a shot against Loud. We'd be underdogs, all right. Um, but we'd have a shot at it. So, yeah, no, it was, it was amazing, amazing, amazing day. As I said, I thought I drew the short straw uh, with all the hurling that was on yesterday, getting sent to O'Connor Park to watch football, which um, would definitely be my, my preferred of the two codes, but it was absolutely fantastic. And I can tell you, there was um, there was bias. Uh, <laughs> there was bias in every section of the press box in O'Connor Park yesterday. Well, it's funny you mentioned our colleague Colm Keyes and me, the man before he shows, and you wish he was here with us this week. But to be fair, he actually did say there was yeah. an upset potentially on the cards when you talked down off these chances last week. He actually was. Yeah, was I, pretty... I thought I thought we had a chance, but I thought uh, I just thought we might be overpowered a bit in the middle. But oh God, Mead were Mead were very poor. You know, for a side that played Division Two football this year, Colm O'Rourke said they are where they deserve to be. He said he remembered his own playing career where they suffered a lot of defeats early doors, couldn't win a game in in Leinster, maybe the first three or four years of his career. And he says people kind of look at maybe his career with rose tinted glasses, but there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of heartbreak along the way. And he kind of said that um, maybe these, the current crop are going to have to go through their own bit of hardship to come out the other side. But um, yeah, definitely looks like a long road for me, the long, long road. And did the, you know, awfully winning had ramifications for Mead. Down winning has ramifications for potentially for Kildare and Cork. If Offaly were to get to a provincial final and Kildare didn't, then Kildare would be down in the Talchon Cup. So we talked about it in previous weeks. It's fascinating that teams are watching other teams for different reasons than they ever were before. Teams are watching other provinces for results that never had any yeah, element of jeopardy to them. And that is something, It's been, I don't know if it was an unintended consequences of the, the structures and the Talchon Cup and that, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely juiced things up a bit. Yeah, Connor, it wasn't really flagged the whole amount at the time when this was brought in, but it has proved, you know, very interesting, as Michael said, like kind of keeping an eye on other provinces that maybe necessarily those games in and of themselves wouldn't have huge appeal across the board. Yeah, well, I, th- <clears throat> I think we all suffer a lot from um, uh, competition structure fatigue because it just happens so often that the parameters get redrawn and we all kind of throw our eyes up to heaven and you hear round robins are coming in and round robins are going out, but... Um, yeah, like this is the stage of this is the stage of the season when it starts to crystallize. I think fourteen of the All Ireland um, f- teams are already confirmed now, so it's still interesting that we go into the provincial semi-finals and in some cases the finals, and there are ramifications still for which teams come up and go down. Um, but like in, in Maid's case, like you, you probably like you would have saw this coming a mile off. The only question was whether Offaly were going to be good enough to actually beat them, and clearly they were. Um, they, they produced a couple of the worst performances I saw in the league against Dublin and Derry um, and the big issue and like I understand what Colin O'Rourke is saying about you know you have to maybe sometimes take a step back before you go forward but you know you have footballers good footballers like say somebody like Donald Keoghan who's been there for 10 years and it hasn't really kind of gotten any better and if anything it has gotten worse and then you've got good young footballers like say Cahill Hickey there or the three debutants they had in defence and you know this is their initial experience of inter-county football they're not coming into an environment where, you know, they only have to add to it. They're kind of almost load-bearing elements of the Mead team straight away, you know, and they'll come in for a bit of flack and they'll come un- under a bit of criticism now. And, um, you know, this season is a write-off unless they go and win the Talton Cup and then they can say, well, we got something tangible out of the season. Yeah, they, you know, um, you know, you go to Crow Park and you can win a trophy and that means that next year the pressure is off, you know, you're going to be in the All-Ireland Series and and, and that's probably the only light at the end of the tunnel for them now, but um, like if you go through it, it's going to be a fairly stacked Talton Cup. Yeah, it's funny, it seems a long way since the first two league rounds where I think we were two from two and people were talking that they could be the coming team in 2023 and now you know, they've, they've really struggled since then. Frank, I suppose if we're going maybe back to more Broadway-related matters, you know, you were in Hyde Park yesterday for Galway Roscommon. You know, Galway are an interesting team, obviously All-Ireland finalists last year. Do you think, are they a better team today than they were when they pushed Kerry close in Croke Park? Well, in fairness, I mean, their, their All-Ireland final performance last July was, I won't say perfect, but it was not far off for 65 minutes. So they were, they were very close then. Um, Will they get back to an All-Ireland final? They could well do, but the, the, I think the biggest difference with Galway this year is that Porridge Joyce has more options. 
the, there was question marks last year, you know, if, you know, if he was missing A, B or C players, who would come in and, 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 and fill those, fill those, fill those roles. And I mean, the irony is that this year he lost Liam Silk, who went to New Zealand and Kieran Malloy was out with a cruciate injury. Although he is back in the championship panel now, how close he is to playing, I don't know. But he has brought in several players. I mean, John Maher has come in and done really well at midfield after um, Killian, after Killian McDade got injured halfway through the league. And, and you know they, they haven't. I won't say they haven't missed McDade, but he, he's given them a real good option there and and a point scoring option from midfield as well. Killian McDade returned yesterday as, as a late sub, so straight away they've options at midfield. Peter Cook wasn't involved there last year. He's in there now. Bernard Power was recalled in goals last year and or last yesterday. And there's obviously been big question marks over the goalkeeping position in Galway, and they haven't all gone away uh, because they had some kickout issues yesterday. But now there is strong competition there between Bernard Power and uh, Connor Gleeson. Uh, John McGrath has done very well at corner back. Uh, and like, if you look at some of the subs who came in yesterday, we obviously McDade, Rob Finnerty didn't start because Ian Burke is back and did quite well yesterday. So he's definitely padded out his panel and defensively, they've got better as a team. With one caveat, I'll say for uh, this third quarter yesterday, having been in total control against Roscommon for the second quarter, especially under no difficulty at all. They were suddenly ripped apart over five minutes. Roscommon got 1-3 to go ahead. And that should have been 2-3, all in the space of five minutes. And there was one or two other goal chances after that as well. So there are still plenty to work on for, for Joyce. But they'll be hot favourites to win Connacht and, uh, against Sligo. And on that basis, they'll go in as number one seeds, which leaves them well positioned for another assault on the All-Ireland series. Well, just on Frank's point there, they do have options that they just didn't have in the All-Ireland final last year. They came up short. They uh, you know, they just didn't have the depth in the All-Ireland final, whereas you're naming out names there and lads that have been recalled or lads that have come back into the fold that are real game changers. Uh, and that could be the big difference in an open All-Ireland just to have, to know that you have the five or six lads needed to tip you over the line, to know you have game changers at the end is huge. And um, I think having those guys back on board uh, makes Galway seriously live contenders yeah Connor like obviously the depth is very important but when you have real marquee guys like Damian Comer and the performance he put in yesterday and we all know what Shane Walsh did in the Ireland final Eamon Sweeney had a kind of a funny line in his piece today about Galway saying if the two lads can kind of put those kind of nine out of ten performances together in the same day say if it's an Ireland final against Kerry or playing against a, a Dublin team or someone like that like that could be the difference you know between them winning in All-Ireland yeah, because they're so different, you know, and they get the ball in different situations. There's no reason. It's not as if, you know, uh, Walsh will hog the ball that might go to Comer, so only one of them can play well, you know, in rotation in each game. They they give you different options. Um, and, uh, like, Walsh looks like he's kind of, you know, when they get back to Crow Park, he will be a different footballer again. Like, he is literally the most quintessential Crow Park footballer of all time. Um, like, it's a wonder he even gets a game for Galway when they play in Salt Hill because he's the sort of fella that those elements wouldn't condi- wouldn't suit because he takes on all these very low percentage scoring chances and tends to convert them anyway. Um, and I wouldn't rule out, uh, I wouldn't sort of uh, discount or undervalue the return of Ian Burke either. Before he left the panel a couple of years ago, he was one of the best forwards in the country. Like, his his touch, um, just to close the goal, that little, that kind of ingenuity close to goal, to beat his man, to be able to set up scores, to take uh, attention towards him. So if they had those three really firing and then those other options that you mentioned, like Paul Conroy's always going to chip in a few points. Killian McDade was one of the best footballers in the league earlier on and he only just came on. Um, and Finnerty in there as well. But, you know, I suppose we, we look at all these games and we try and get a sense of them as to how teams are set for the All-Ireland off the back of it. Um, and the Galway game just showed yesterday, like I think Galway are definitely in the top three teams in the country. And on that basis, they could all definitely get to a final, maybe win an All-Ireland. But it goes to show you that if you give up, like any team is vulnerable. Galway were vulnerable yesterday in that sticky period after halftime. Uh, and it was nearly their undoing. Like, did, did Roscommon have five decent goal chances? Maybe and only, maybe only took one of them. So, um, and Galway weren't particularly hot in front of goal either. So, yeah, you're in an ideal situation. You've loads to work on. You're going into a Connacht final that you're going to win. You're going to be four seeds in the group. So, um, you know, we we know already, or we'd be fairly certain now at this stage, of three of the provincial winners. And I think uh, we'd probably put them one, two, three in the All-Ireland running as well. 
Frank, what, what will Davy Burke be feeling today? Do you think, as we, you know, you were both mentioned, there was a number of goal chances that had they gone in, they could have produced another upset victory. They already took the scalp of Mayo. They took a few scalps in the league. Surely he'll be going into that All Ireland series thinking with a home game in the Hyde, one a neutral venue, that they could make some noise. Of it, maybe not get to a final, but, but maybe certainly take down another big gun. I, I would think so. I mean, just speaking to him yesterday after the match, I mean, you could you could hear his frustration in his voice. The great thing about Davy is unlike other managers, he calls it totally as he sees it. And if he's peed off over certain chances that went to begging, he'll say it, you know, he'll call it straight out. Uh, now, the interesting point he said, he thought they were just so, so lacking in energy in the first half. And he, he put that partly down to the fact that they'd invested so much emotionally, as much as everything in the Mayo match two weeks before that. But look, in a way, obviously he would have loved to win a Connacht title. And if they'd won yesterday they would have been favourites against against Sligo. Um, but, I mean, it's been a hugely positive season for Roscommon so far. And you could hear it in his voice. He's, he's going to go away for a few weeks. He's going to maybe take this week off, get back together and focus in on that. And, like, there's no reason why Roscommon... I mean, they, they, they should finish in the top three in their group. They have every chance of getting to an All-Ireland quarterfinal. And, and really, then it's it's how the cards fall. You don't know who you're going to face. Um, the one thing I'd say about Roscommon is, they're, and I've seen them several times this year, they're a very streaky team. They were very, very poor uh, in the second quarter yesterday, especially. And and I saw that once or twice in the league as well. They, they were poor for a lot of their league game against Galway in Salt Hill. But then they come on these mad bursts for five or ten minutes and they can just run through teams. I mean, Andrew Smith was pretty anonymous in the first half. And then in the first five minutes after half time, he engineered two goal chances, one of them taken. Um, you know, so they have players like that. They have players who can be very hot. Other times it can be a little bit cold. But they're definitely a much improved team this year. Yeah, that Tyrone opening league game was similar. I think they hit a two goal or three goal blitz in the second half to, to get a win. And it was, you know, at home in, in Hyde Park as well. Connor, you were you were a Kerry on Saturday. I'd be interested to get your kind of take on where you think they're at at the moment. I was reading your piece with interest earlier about how they were, you know, they were dominant, their defensive stinginess continued in the championship. But um, the, the question of whether they, they've added something new or the lack thereof, do you think that could come back to bite them? You know, a hallmark of Dublin under Jim Gavin was like a new player pretty much every year who ended up being a key contributor. Kerry are kind of pretty much going with the same team again. Now it's a very good team and they won the All-Ireland last year. But it, would that concern you? Yeah, I don't know what it concern you. It depends on how you kind of evaluate their All-Ireland win last year and how much maybe improvement that team itself can do. Like into the team yesterday, the only players that were missing from the All-Ireland final team last year were Reno Bjogluk and uh, Stephen O'Brien, who both came on as subs and that was their first action of the year because they were out with injuries. Um, and obviously David Moran, who's retired. So... Um, it's going to be very, very similar to last year's team. Tony Brosnan, who was very good in the league, got five points from play and he he missed a penalty or he had a penalty save is probably a better way of putting it. And he looked very, very sharp. And I think he could be a bit of a, not a bolter, but he could be the sort of player for Kerry that it becomes very quietly important as the season goes on because, you know, a bit like some of the Dublin forwards, you know, somebody like Paddy Andrews, who would have been, you know, on the Dublin team and would have been one of the better forwards in the country, despite the fact he was only the third or fourth best forward in the Dublin team. When the opposition t- managers are doing their matchups, you know, they're down to their third or fourth best marker that they put on Tony Brazen because they have to make sure that Clifford and, uh, you know, Sean O'Shea and, and Paddy Clifford are well marked. And I think in that situation, Brazen's going to be very, very hard to stop. So maybe he could, you know, add a bit in terms of their score building. Like Clifford did nothing the other night except for score two points from, from freeze and he didn't seem overly bothered by it either. But, um, you know, the big thing about Kerry is like when we look at them and when we like when we think back to last year's All-Ireland final and the semi-final against Dublin, like you think about Sean O'Shea's free or Clifford's performance in the final because they're the really striking things. They're the things that make Kerry what they are. But like, you know, They've become the best defensive team in the country by a mile. You know, they are, they've conceded one goal in the last, is it seven championship matches under Jack O'Connor? And that was Cormac Coslow's goal in the semi final last year. And it, if we had the uh, the same analytical tools in Gaelic football as we have in soccer, 
that would be in a very low XG. Like it was, it was only for Costello's audacity, like you know, that he took that on because Dublin were desperate at that stage. So they gave up so few goal chances, so few goal chances. Um, and Clare, good team that they are, don't tend to score too many goals either. So you know, you'd imagine they'll be going into the All Ireland series, you know, with one goal conceded in the last eight. I think their points concession is something like eleven point five under Jack O'Connor. So that's been a major, major uh, improvement in them. And they have done it without getting too many new defenders. Graham O'Sullivan is the only, really, the new one. So it's it's, it's how they use Tyke Morley as a sweeper. Um, like Tom O'Sullivan was electric the other night on the ball. But Tom O'Sullivan and Jason Foley haven't spent a couple of years maybe looking like they weren't the answer to Kerry, Kerry's defensive questions. Now very much look like the best players in the country or close to it in their position. So... That has been the big thing for me from Kerry, but the question of whether they can improve on that without bringing in new players, you know, it, it's hard to see. Like, I mean, they were they were almost perfect defensively last year um, and whether they can do it again. So the big thing this year would be that they'll have more competitive games to win in All-Ireland. And you'd imagine in that situation, they'll be forced deeper into their squad. So that, I think, might be a situation where, you know, the lack of evolution of the panel might come back to haunt them. But if they keep everybody fit... I still think they're I still think they're favourites for the All Ireland because, you know, other than David Moore and they haven't lost anybody to last year, you know, they don't have any players who are 33, 34 that are hanging on for one last hurrah. They're they're in prime position as a squad. Um and obviously they have you know, you can't really call somebody the greatest forward of all time, but definitely one of the most unstoppable players you've ever seen. It's you know, it's impossible to stop Clifford when he kind of gets his dander up. And even the other night, like Tipperary kept it so tight. It might have been only two points to a point after 15 minutes. But the big evolution, the other big evolution in Kerry now is they can they can play it whatever way you want. You know, it, it's not as if they come up against a team that keep 15 behind the ball and all of a sudden they get frustrated and flummoxed and lose discipline. They know how to play that ga- the game that way. You know, a bit like Dublin and Port Leash yesterday. You know, Leash came to try and kick the ball and, and when, when Dublin see that space, they'll incinerate you. And if you have to play the other way and they have to keep possession and run it, they can do that too. So, um, you know, I, I, like from the Kerry point of view, it's all very rosy at the moment. And and the fact that they have, other than Stefan Akumbar, um, I don't really think they've any significant injuries at the moment. And it's a, it's a very good position for Jack O'Connor to be in. Yeah, Michael, listening to Jack O'Connor after the game and the quotes from Connor's piece, you know, talking about the structure and how it's maybe peaking at a different time versus years previous and questioning whether you can go for the league and for a provincial championship and still kind of maintain, a, you know, a peak performance level for later in the year. And for Kerry, their schedule is quite light compared to maybe some other teams. They play Tipperary, they play Clare, and then they're into the All-Ireland series. They, like, they won't really be battle-hardened. Yeah, it's a bizarre scenario where... You can. They're they're basically in this kind of luxurious position where they're trying to. They're they actually can afford to peak the first round of the or you know hit start hitting their peak the first round of the All Ireland Championship as in the the Super Fours or should we call it like they don't need to get to a great pitch to win Munster realistically. They might they won't be battle hardened, but yeah, I I you know I still think they're going to they should handily enough come out with a group whether they've evolved or not is a, is an interesting question. Um, usually, you know, you won't win, you know, playing very, very similar to, to, to what you did the year before. But, you know, the evolution will probably come at some stage in the All-Ireland stages and it probably won't come in Munster. Just um, from, from Clare's point of view as well, uh, a nice bit of redemption for Colm Collins uh, after losing to Limerick on penalties last year. I know he was very he was very put out over that and it was a bit of a banana skin for them in the sense that Limerick weren't going well. All the pressure was on Clare coming in after beating Cork. And uh, I believe they've already made a play to try and get the game played in Cusick Park as well, uh, which would add a bit of spice to a game maybe that's not going to have that much spice. But it's brilliant for him under his reign. He's he's achieved an unbelievable amount, but this is his first Munster final appearance, which is kind of mad to think it really. Um, but it's well-deserved. And while we're writing Clare off and we're saying that, Clare, or that Kerry are going to win in a procession, I'm sure Clare will do their damnedest to make it as tricky as possible for them. Yeah, Munster final in Cusick Park will be a great reward, as you said, for Colin Collins who's been soldiering for a long time down there. Frank and Ulster, there was some intrigue over the weekend as well. Armagh were pretty comfortable winners on Saturday night, but an upset yesterday, well, I suppose it was an upset, but a lot of people were kind of flagging it as a potential one beforehand. Donegal losing to down, Donegal's year just gets worse and worse. Yeah, it, it was kind of like a Mead Offaly uh, type upset where you could see this coming. But still, when it materialises, you're you're a bit like, wow, how did that happen? But I mean, 
when when you delve into it, there are multiple reasons why why it's why it's happened. I mean, you've got to remember Donegal beat Kerry in the first round of the league, but since then they'd lost five, drawn one. Their form had unraveled. They'd lost a manager. There was all the upheaval in the background over the uh, the ill-fated uh, Donegal GA Academy. Um, you look at the players. Paddy Carr initially uh, had lost. I mean, like Michael Murphy, uh, his new captain then. Paddy McBrearty to a hamstring hamstring injury. No Ryan McHugh uh, this year. Uh, and I mean, then yesterday, after 15 minutes, I think Michael Len- Michael Langan went off injured. So, I mean, you know, I mean, Aidan O'Rourke in a way had been dealt an impossible hand. He'd taken over on an interim basis. Uh, but like his, his, his scoring options had been totally decimated this year. Uh, and obviously there were a team playing with zero confidence. Uh, I just noted one of the stats that uh, Aidan O'Rourke threw out there actually after the game yesterday. He said they... They had 34 shots on goal. They only scored 111. Like that, my maths wouldn't be great, but that works out around about, what, 35%? I mean, there in a nutshell explains what happened yesterday. Um, and, and the other interesting thing is that maybe this is a product of the split season. We're seeing that teams who are uh, enduring a kind of crisis of form and confidence in the league, in, in several cases, that is carried straight into championship because there is no time or opportunity to go away and fix all these problems, you know, in the background. They're back in action just a couple of weeks later. I mean, we've seen it with Meath, we've seen it with Donegal, and there's an interesting contrast between Donegal and Down. Last year, Down were in this in this scenario. Um, you know, that a new manager uh, the new manager in and Wee James had come back but I mean I don't know if he was initially wanted to come back but he inherited a, a bit of a mess I mean um, the Kilku players most of them didn't come didn't get back involved there was a lot of uh, discord it seemed in the background and, and and Down just totally imploded last year now this year you know they've got their ducks in a row or a lot more of them and the, the decent league went close enough to promotion and and that kind of set the uh, set the scene for yesterday's victory. Yeah, Connor, it has been quite a turnaround and down. They, I think they just you know just missed out on promotion, so maybe they didn't get a huge pile of credit for, from the Division Three campaign, but they they were quite close. And then obviously getting a big championship scalp, like Connor Laverty has done a lot of work. You know, coming in from that Kilku kind of background seems to have brought those guys back into the fold as well. Which when you have a, a very strong team like that, and they weren't contributing a huge amount to the county team, obviously you're missing out on a lot. So to get those guys back involved was massive. Yeah, it was, and that like they play. Um... You know, they play a bit like Cuckoo as well. They, you know, they keep things incredibly tight. They're, they have a lot of powerful players, they have a lot of ball winners. Um, and like, I suppose like the most overused word in sports analysis at the moment is is culture, but that is seems to be something that Laverty has changed there. Um, the like the the lure of playing for Down wasn't sort of enough to get his own clubmates, most of them in, and now, um, his management has. Kind of brought them in, and like, you know, I think there's a lot of very low hanging fruit for teams down around Division Three and Division Four if they appoint the right manager. Like we've seen it with Derry, we've seen it with Loud over the last couple of years, and I think Down is one of those c- c- counties that has the potential to to kick on now. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they get on against Armagh uh, in the Ulster semi final, given that Kieran McKeever was pretty adamant that Armagh don't don't care about the Ulster Championship. Um, it, it would probably, like, it, it, it's all well and good for Kieran McKeever and Armagh to think that, but if you don't beat a team like Down, if you if you fail to make an Ulster final again, if you are if you don't embellish your Ulster record, it's very hard to back up the theory that, you know, you have your sights set in All-Ireland. So, um, like, you'd still probably expect that Armagh come through that one, but I think Down are a common force and, and they, they look like they're going to, I think their trajectory is very much on the up, but you'd imagine they're going to just keep improving over the next couple of years in much the same way as Derry did. Whether there's the same raw material there, you know, like Rory Gallagher is, is a huge driver of that thing in Derry, but you have to remember that they have a couple of very strong club teams. They had an All-Ireland minor winning team. They've had St. Pat's Maharal, a lot of uh, Hogan Cup winning teams as well. So what you wouldn't be certain about is how strong the raw material is in down, but you know, Laverty is, is obviously one of the sharpest coaches around and, and it seems like he's getting a lot of high level help there as well. 
Yeah, well, down our mass, certainly one of the games to look forward to next weekend. But for now, Frank, Connor, thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Well, we're delighted to be joined for our hurling chat by John Milan and Eddie Brennan. And John, I'll have to go to you first. After that Limerick-Waterford game yesterday, it was it was tight, it was tense, it was exciting. Waterford pushed Limerick all the way, but ultimately the All-Ireland champions got out on the right side of the result. What was your big takeaway from what you saw over the 70, 75 minutes? Biggest takeaway is a missed opportunity. Uh, well, I suppose, look, going into the game, I suppose, many people, many Waterford supporters, in general, weren't giving uh, the team much hope. I suppose, look, going up to Torres yesterday, you are probably thinking within yourself, you know, if, if the lads could keep it within single digits, you know, it would be a, a, a good day's work. And as the game went on and as the, as the game developed, uh, you know, you were kind of saying to yourself, geez, what about I have a, have, a, have a serious opportunity for you of getting two points on the board? And for me, yeah, look, they were... They were brilliant, but look, uh, David Fitzgerald, he emphasised after the match that, you know, they don't want any pats on the back because ultimately they still lost the match. Um, but look, a lot of positives to be taken out of the match where they can take into this weekend against against Cork. Um, and they showed they showed areas where, where you know, Limerick can be got at. Um, but look, again, it's... Uh, you know, from a water point of view, I think this weekend is going to be, is going to be massive against Cork. I think what they've got to really go and do now this weekend is they've got to go and back up um, the perform last week's perform uh, yesterday's performance. Um, and if they can do that, if they can bring what they brought to the table yesterday, uh, they've got a very good chance of winning the match. But but there's always a but. You know, you're going playing a Cork team who are going to be fresh. They have to. Get a look at Waterford now, um, they've home advantage. And the dynamics change now. This weekend, Waterford will be on everyone's tongues. You know, last yesterday we went into the match, massive underdogs. And I think actually the, the underdog tag actually suits Waterford. I think it suited Waterford yesterday, where they can go where they where they had all their homework done on Limerick and they were able to go and, and ha- have a have a right right cut off of uh, Limerick, but this week this weekend is going to be the the polar opposite where you know Waterford might start slight favourites going into this match, and you know we seen last year they went up to Limerick, uh, put up a very very good display against Limerick, and then two weeks later Park beat them down in Welsh Park. So yeah, look an awful lot of positives, uh, but look I suppose the disappointment that that did come out of yesterday was was the injury to tie the burger. Um, and it's only it's only when you reflect in the aftermath and when you wake up this morning, you know, after losing the match, but also after picking up the injury to to tie the burger, that's 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 a colossal blow for for Waterford going forward for this this championship. Just on two points, John made there, you actually will only feel the Deborka loss when you go to start the next game, it's like you can you can deal with something like that mid game. A lad slips in centre back, but they have to start the game without him the next day, and obviously the rest of the championship more than likely, which would be really difficult. And just in John's earlier point, like so many things went right for Waterford. They got so many things right, and it's not as if the opportunities weren't there. The opportunities were there and they just kind of weren't clinical enough. Like, I don't know, will Aaron Galan ever miss a penalty in another game? Will he ever miss that guilt edge goal chance that he had in another game? Will any team be able to keep, you know, Burns as quiet uh, as Waterford were at different stages? Declan Hannum was obviously off the pitch. Uh, Hegarty, you know, they were down to 14 men. So many things were prime for Waterford to win the game. And I think having got so much right in their planning and executed, you know, the game plan really well for large, large spells. I think Davy and the lads will just be, be gutting that they just couldn't see it out. And even get a draw, John, just get points on the board, get something on the board. So you, you have nothing to show, you have nothing to show for all your efforts. And, you know, Claire, Claire showed last year just what it actually takes out of a body physically to match up with Limerick. So it's, Anything but a foregone conclusion that uh, that that Waterford will hit the ground running against Cork next week. If anything, 
they could even be a step off it just based on their exertions over the weekend. But like it was a it was a mad game, really. Like it was mad. There's so many mad <laughs> things going on in it. And like just we've been wait, we've been waiting, we've been waiting. Kind of all hurling supporters have been waiting in the kind of the long grass nearly the last while after a real disappointing league. But geez, we were we got our we got our fill of entertainment yesterday anyway. Yeah, Eddie, how do you reflect on yesterday's game? Yeah, it, it it was brilliant. It had everything. Like I think, uh, you know, the usual narrative is the league is the league. It's gone now, and you were waiting for this yesterday. And look, no more than I, I agree with what John was saying. I would imagine Davy Fitz has been planning out that match for probably three, four months. I think he probably would have had an idea in his head who was tagging who. And as Michael said, he got so much right yesterday. Just the finished, the the, the clinical call is probably. Uh, assassin-type finish that, you know, comes with being champions is probably what let them down yesterday. They probably just, you know, hadn't that little killer instinct and maybe to maximise, like if you would have said that they'd be that close to Limerick because that match looked early doors, it could have got away from Watford. And I thought they'd done so well to hang in. I was impressed with the range of games that they went to during the setup that they went to. I thought, I think that's something that's really good was to stretch Limerick right out to the flanks off the puck outs and leave, you know, lots of space. I've seen space in that Limerick defence that maybe in the first half that I haven't seen in quite some while. Uh, they just couldn't get enough ball into Desi was the only thing because he looked to be dialed in. He was working over and back across that, you know, inside the 14 and the 21. His pace is a handful for anyone. But... Um, just look at the finishes. I think the opportunities were there. It was wides was what probably what cost Warford. Unfortunately, in the end, you know, the Desi one, I think Jamie Barron had one, the Fitzgeralds had him. You know, maybe when you have an extra man, and, and in fairness, Davey will have those game plans, but it just thought uh, it probably helped Limerick's cause that Waterford went for the bombs. Yeah. Now, the bombs were close to the square. They could have anything happened, and maybe there was an element of that, that this could be a place. But I just think... And I like seeing Austin Leeson in there close to the goal where he, he can unsettle people, he can do harm. But maybe when you have that numerical advantage and the one thing you need to do at that stage is probably keep moving Limerick around because Limerick were off colour yesterday. They weren't themselves. The, the matchups nullified some of their key players. Hannon was significant. But I just thought maybe, just maybe with time on your... Like with 20 minutes there to work that extra man maybe he needed Austin floating around because Austin can hit those ones from 50, 60 yards. Maybe that was a strategy. And look, it's very easy to say that now, but uh, to, for me, the one, and I, and I hate kind of picking out players, look, there's lots of incidents, but I just think, you know, the Stephen Bennett free, that, that, that to me is unforgivable at this level. I, I just don't think, that, that cannot happen. And if I'm a teammate, you're annoyed with someone because they were still in that match, there was still time. And, you know, that's just, you can't do that. That's a terrible lapse in concentration. And I hate picking out a player, but for all he done good yesterday, and he came in for a lot of heavy treatments, but that has to, like, you win a free like that. Your players work so hard in a game of margins. You can't do that with a free. I think what's fascinating, Will, out of it all now is, do you know what it reminds me of? I followed the boxing closely enough, and Oscar De La Haya always said that he had the blueprint to beat Floyd Mayweather, even though he didn't beat him. I think he got beaten in a split decision points back in the day. But it was all about uh, De La Haya showed the blueprint how to beat Mayweather. Now, no one went on and beat him after. But a lot of people will think now that Waterford have shown the blueprint of how to beat uh, Limerick, like they bombarded balls down on top of Dermot Burns. It was like we're not, they weren't going to hit the ball near Kyle Hayes at, at any cost. They just got loads of bodies around on Nicky Quaid's puck out. He looked up and there was always a Waterford man standing in one of the channels. He could only hit it to one wing. Like there was no way he was hitting it on top of where the free Waterford man was. Um, and it's just going to be fascinating to see now. The two aspects of it. Fascinating to see the other three teams try and mirror that. And then conversely, Paul Canork has seen now, and I'm sure he's thought about how other teams are trying to break Limerick yeah. down, uh, and Waterford were able to do it. So what does he do to counteract that? And they'll be looking at saying, okay, Waterford got great success doing this, this, and this. I'm sure his mind was in overdrive last night, thinking, what do we need to do to make sure that, you know, when teams do similar, and they will do similar, that we're not stifled like we were yesterday. And that's the fascinating element of it. It's fascinating to see what other teams learn from what Waterford did yesterday. The big catch here is that they have, you know, Kyle Hayes was kind of nullified yesterday. You know, he didn't have the influence that he'd have in, in, in any other game. But they have 
the luxury of bringing in a Colin Cochran. Say if Hannon is back, Dan Morrissey can go wing back. And they have the luxury then of pushing Kyle Hayes back up top, which which is a big one for me. And we seen last year when Kyle Hayes went back up top, he made a massive difference. And what, what that allows you then, you know, just say if, if Keane Lynch is being tightly marked, well, they have the luxury then of, look, if Keane Lynch, if you're, if you're going to be tightly marked, you can, we, you, we can then take an extra body out of that, out of that uh, back line by you kind of just kind of going in a free roll, bringing an extra body into midfield, and then you have Kyle Hayes up top. And that's that's probably something they are going to look at. I don't think throughout this month's championship, you're just going to see, you know, Limerick going out with Kyle Hayes, Declan Hannon and and, and Derek Burns. I think they're going to rotate throughout the throughout the championship and they're going to keep the opposition guessing. Well, I, th- I agree with that, John. I think you look at what uh, they did a few years ago when Tip went to play them in Parky Cueve in that real wet night. They had Alan Flynn detailed to take Keane Lynch at midfield. Suddenly, Keane Lynch is now deployed at centre-forward and it just threw Tipperary's plan right out the window. And I just think the the team when it was announced was frightening, right? But it probably was Davy Fitz licking his lips going, I'm planned for this team. My match, my game plan is planned for those players. So maybe Limerick now need to throw an old curveball here and there to, because they have the, the players to do it. You know, sometimes when you're on the road, as long as they are too, maybe the energy levels aren't there. You know, I thought Hegarty's ability to move, you know, when they go to the middle and those little wraparound runs that he's normally so renowned for, they weren't there yesterday. So aside from the, the you know, the, the bit of messing that went on and, and, and Hegarty getting the line, maybe, maybe they just need to start Cahill O'Neill the next day. Maybe they need to just change up one or two positions. Look at who's training really, really well. Because from my own experiences, we often had one or two new lads coming into the team every year. And sometimes, you know, maybe if... I'm, I'm, look, obviously, we're, we've talked about how great all these players are and, and on that team. Absolute given now. But what if Garrod Hegarty finds himself sitting in the stand the next day? And maybe, well, you know, or something, well, something like that. And well, maybe Eddie, reward Cahill O'Neill or someone. Well, Eddie, I... I, I, I... I'll, I'll, t- I'll touch on that because you look at Tom Morrissey. Tom Morrissey didn't start the league final. And you look at for the vast majority of that, that, that match yesterday, Tom Morrissey was probably possibly their best player. So if he's had to get a kick up the backside, look at the reaction that Tom Morrissey came with yesterday. So you're 100% right. Like, like you know, if Hegarty was, or even a, or even a King Lynch, King Lynch was quite yesterday. Then you're saying to yourself, well, look, you have the bit between your teeth. You even look at Galan. They had Galan off the panel for a while, and now Galan had the bit between his teeth, and possibly Galan was was a big player from yesterday. You're 100 right. Yeah, the one thing I'd like to ask you about is John Coyley's comments post match about what he thought. He said it was bullshit. All the hype around the team about talk of them, you know, cantering to an All Ireland title, and obviously you and your Kilkenny teammates back in the day would have been in a similar position. I just thought it was interesting that he came out so strongly after the game. Like I don't know if Brian Cody would have would have done similar during his time there. Like what did you make of that? And maybe that the talk is seeping in a bit, and it maybe is having some sort of impact. Yeah, absolutely. I heard his interview afterwards and I thought, you know, it is. And when you're in his position and, and like you said there, Brian has been too. He often warned us, he said, lads, shut out the noise. You really need to shut out all that talk. And 2010, we experienced it in a big, big way. And a lot of that is out of your control. So you have to kind of stay focused on what you're doing. I think that's a really good point, though, Will. I think just just looking at Limerick even yesterday, you know, even when the incident with Hegarty will say where I just seen Kyle Hayes, you know, pointing to your man. That might seem insignificant, but that just means you're not completely focused on what you're doing. And yeah, that, that incident has to be dealt with or whatever. But for, for the players, right, and this is where I think is going to be the challenge for the Limerick boys this year. You know, th- there is hype. There is going to be that, you know, invincibility about them. And you have to be careful not to go soft on that talk. But it is valid. I think it does, does. You know, I think for everyone looking in, the manner in which they won the league title, the the squad they've assembled, it's it's. It, I think it's a fair comment. But just for John Kiley, he has to guard his team against right lads. And you're just talking two percent, Will. You're just talking being slightly off. You know, is their hunger the same? It may not be this year. 
So that's why they're going to be dependent on individual interventions like Barry Nash did yesterday, like Tom Morris's performance. Bourne has picked off a big point when they really, really needed it. So there is, is one area that is really going to challenge them. Like I would have felt even the last thing I'll say is I would imagine uh, if you were playing and Nimrick will hardly play an internal match this, this week. But if they were playing a, an internal match tomorrow night, for example, and having named that team last week, wouldn't you be dreading Mark and Mike Casey in an internal match this week? You know, so his, his mind was in the right place. As soon as he got the call, and I thought Mike Casey done well yesterday, he actually found himself coming out the field and making things happen when other lads were, were, were impacted. So, yeah, I think it's something that, that, that John Kiley is going to have to really be, be, be looking at this year. And all you can do with that is say to the lads, lads, we really, really have to shut out the noise and focus on what we're doing. Are we going to get the hop of the ball or decisions here and there? Probably not. That comes from being where you are. Well, Eddie, you, you've, been, you, you've been a manager, right? If you were John Kiley going home last night, Paul Kinnork, you'd be half rubbing your hands saying, well, oh, you yeah. know what, lads? You, you, you're yeah. half rubbing your hands saying, you know what? We got it. We got the. All, we got a massive, massive fright today. We were, we were, we were a good bit off of where where we usually are. We won yeah. the match with with fourteen with, with fourteen men for large parts of that match. Uh, now, probably for the first time in, in a long time, they were probably beaten in in, in the tactical exchanges. So they have an opportunity you know, to go away now. You know, he's waking up this morning. He's going home last night. He's having a cup of tea with the wife and saying, you know what? We still have two points on the board, and we were we were we were way off. And he has a stick to beat his team right now, and saying, "Well, look, as you as you touched on there, that you know he has an opportunity to say say to one or two players, you, you might think in your mind, mindset that you're guaranteed, you're a guaranteed starter, but in 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 our way of thinking, no, no one no one is safe after that performance. So I think he'll be delighted. He he wants to publicly go out and say it out loud that you know what, Jesus, you know. Uh, I, I'm actually tr- thrilled what happened, but it kind of dilutes the hype. But yeah. at the same time, he's kind of, from a managerial point of view, you're kind of saying, "Jesus, it's a, it's it's a, it's a nice place to be in now." If you get what I say, it's a, it's as good as a defeat. If you get if you get what I mean, as in it to, it'll totally reset them now. But they haven't lost. If you get me, they've still won. So many things went wrong. I'd hazard a guess and say that that's their lowest scoring tally since the 2019 All-Ireland semi-final I'd say they haven't been kept that limited like I think it was 215 that day it was 119 yesterday they haven't been kept that limited and they still managed to win as John says he's a stick to beat them with and I'm sure he will uh, and he'd expect it wasn't to, it was it was as well Mikey they, they weren't able to get shots off I think their accuracy yeah. was quite good like they, they had only maybe one wide in the first half possibly or two but their actual accuracy and efficiency is, is what ultimately got them home yesterday when they weren't being able to get the shots and I think look credit to Warford because to lose someone like Ty Deborka but for Warford now I think it, it, to, to flush their heads today is the big thing like to just completely and this is the difficult thing about this championship format you have to almost park up that match now and reset and say hey let's get out the, the plan now for Cork let's re-energize well, exactly. and that's a hard thing to do you have to solely focus on Davy, I would imagine, and his team in the back room have here's the water for dossier, here or here's the Limerick dossier, here's the Cork one. They have to completely try to erase that match now, yes, very, very quickly, because this match is life or death next weekend for them. Yeah, Mike, what about the Tipperary Clare game then as well? Five goals for Tip and their victory under Liam Cowell. They've, that's been a hallmark of his tenure thus far. Like they, are they kind of emerging now as a, as maybe the next best challenger to Limerick, do you think? Well, that was kind of a funny game. Uh, It was a brilliant game, but Tipperary exploited some mistakes that were made. And realistically, to me, that's what was the difference between the two of them at the end. Uh, There was a couple of, you know, Jason Ford's goal, the sideline going all the way to the net is just not something you see at Inter-County generally. It was a bit of a mix-up maybe between the full-back and the keeper. And then Eamon Foody was turned over uh, for for Jake Morris's goal. And then a misplaced pass to John Conlon. So, like... I think they maximised on or maxed out on the Clare mistakes. Now Clare did an awful lot good as well, and they racked yeah. up three twenty. They racked up three twenty three. Um, well, I don't know, lads. I've been in this situation definitely anyway, and you maybe have been at different stages where you know you've made a couple of mistakes, you've been punished for them, and they're just always there in the game. You just can't get away from them. There's always that little 
uh, buffer that you just can't get over. And Clare kind of struggled to get 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 to get back at parity with uh, with Tip after all those mistakes yesterday. But like t- chalk and cheese Tip this year and last year, um, there's no point in saying any different. There's an energy to them. There's a yeah, just ravenous for goals. Um, but I wouldn't say Clare lost that much in defeat. Um, you know, they they racked up three twenty three. Tony Kelly was very quiet. Uh, Shane O'Donnell was very quiet. John Connell had didn't probably have one of his maybe his better games at different stages as well. And they had all those mistakes thrown in. Um, and now they have to regroup for Limerick yeah. on Saturday night. Like it's just fascinating, really. It really is. But like talk about you know there be no issue with you know Claire getting up for Limerick. There's never any issue with either of those two teams getting up to play each other. But from a tip point of view. It's mad they have a really good uh, record in Ennis, strangely enough, because nobody else has a good record there apart from Clare. And uh, Liam Cattle would be delighted to have two points on the board, but I definitely wouldn't be writing off Clare. Definitely not. No, and, and I'd agree with that. And, and probably the narrative out there that is that, you know, if they lose Saturday night, that they're nearly gone out of the championship. I, I totally disagree. And I think a big thing for Clare yesterday was they were eight, nine points down going into the, the, the closing stages of that match and they never threw in the towel they kept the scoreboard ticking over and they got a couple of scores near the end and I think that could be crucial come from the latter stages of, of this Monster Championship in regards to scoring averages so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule them out you're 100% right even if they were to be beaten uh, the weekend but I, I, I think I think they'll go into the Gaelic grounds and they'll have a right right crack off of, uh, off of Limerick the weekend and Look, the score, 3.23, and Tony Kelly only registers a point. I mean, that's unbelievable. And, like, they were gifted. They were gift, they gifted Tipperary for possibly three goals and two points. So, I, I, I totally agree with Fernie. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out Clare. And the likelihood is that they could have zero points after the weekend, but there's a strong possibility that they still could win their last two games. I don't know what way does it work. Does it, if there's three teams on four points... Is it is it the head to head on no the yeah, score and average score and average, average or aggregate yeah, yeah. if there was it, if there was two on the same then it's head to head yeah but is it is, is it among is it amongst those three teams like the Leinster championship or is Munster different yeah it would be amongst those three yeah so it would be whoever has the better score and uh, aggregate so you're right John those couple of fights at the end uh, yeah. are absolutely the goal crucial. yeah yeah it's it was fascinating as well. Like I was, you know, I was I was listening to um, Newcastle and Tottenham yesterday, and Lloris was taken off at half time, and I don't like singling out any players, but you're just wondering, you know, is Brian Lowe potentially going to change his keeper at half time here after what happened? And he stuck, he stuck with him and Foodie, and fair play to him, he like because I think that's a, a big statement to do, and it's it would have been an awful uh, hit to his confidence had he taken him off, and he was much better in the second half. Would be interesting to see whether Aver Quilligan starts on Saturday night. Now he was obviously the keeper for the last couple of years, so that's a a bit of a conundrum that Brian Lowen has. But I I definitely would be the same as John. I I definitely think you're going to see a, a bounce out of Clare at the weekend again. Certainly thought to be an intriguing second round of the Munster Championship. Eddie, from a Leinster perspective, you know Galway beating Wexford, Kilkenny out of a pretty straightforward win over Westmead, and now they play uh, Galway next weekend. How do you think Kilkenny are shaping up for that? Um, I, I hope they were holding something back Saturday night because while the scoreboard suggests that it was, you know, really good performance and all that, it just was, you know, I just think they got the job done. They did what they had to do. I think Westmead, you know, dragged them down to a level like Kilkenny should have ran in three or four goals. Um, so hopefully, look, it, they didn't need to probably last week Saturday night, but uh, I think Galway now have got a good start. They they were dealt a couple of good blows. They had landed a, Wexford landed a couple of early punches. And in fairness to them, they they recovered well. They did what they had to do. So they're in a nice position to come to Nolan Park. But uh, you know, I'd expect Kenny's intensity levels definitely need to go up at least two gears. But uh, I just think you know, so, <laughs> you know, much as we were billing the start of the Munster Championship, I think the Leinster Championship. Could well, you know, have sparks in Nolan Park on 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 Sunday because you know there's a lot of little side shows. You know, Henry coming back down as the Galway manager to Nolan Park up against you know his Derek. That that in itself is is just it's is a side show, but there is a huge prize at place because if you can pull the win here now, it puts you in a good healthy position. 
But uh, I just want to, I suppose I want to go on record. Last week, I kind of was talking about predicting different things. And I think I owe Antrim an apology and we should know better. They have been absolutely brilliant. And they almost pulled off a result that they probably, the work they've put in for the last three or four years would have deserved. Um, and they were so unlucky with that. And what they have done is, look, I, I was looking at Wexford and uh, Dublin playing off for that third spot. I tell you, Antrim are going to be in the mix yet. They have to go to Wexford next weekend and Wexford have, a, have, have injury problems. And if it's one thing that, you know, you feel sorry for Darren Leeson that, you know, they could have had two, but they're going down there with something. They have a point more than Wexford going into that match. So they have an opportunity and Wexford are under big pressure. So uh, to be fair to Antrim, uh, they have put themselves definitely in, in the mix there for that, that third spot. Just on that as well, I was I was looking at the GA go the other day, and you know there was uh, Chin had picked up a an AC injury thing coming into the match on the Monday, and him and Dar, uh, Dar Egan were having a conversation about fifty five minutes into the game, and they're about five or six down, and the game was going away from them, and they're after realizing the result earlier on in the day, and you're kind of just thinking, I could go on here, and we're probably still not going to win, and or I could be you know Four an extra. Tough. 15 or 20% next week when we have to win. And uh, that's a fascinating game. The fixtures have worked out really well for Antrim in the sense of they got a result. Now they're going to, you know, a, Wexford a wounded, a, a, yeah, and a wounded Wexford side, like a side that, like, I don't know if Damien Reck will be fit. Don't know if Chin will be fit. He might be playing, but I don't know how fit he will be. Don't know if Dermot O'Keefe is going to be fit. It's some opportunity. I know you said it to me a couple of weeks ago. You did say it, Eddie, to kind of expect the unexpected and that there could be after two or three rounds, you know, all teams with points. And just like, this is what we're crying out for in Leinster. Yeah, we're crying yeah. out. We're crying out for that unpredictability of 2019 when we don't know who's going to come out. And uh, I know Antrim will be a bit deflated by not getting the two points, but at least they got something. They have something, and, yeah. The other, the other thing is, Mick, isn't, isn't like Lee Chin, he's the key man for Wexford, but for, often says, oh, he's a specimen, he's always injured. Do you know, yeah. he seems to be always injured the last couple of seasons and you go, okay, if they're, you know, big injury, big impact injuries, but he seems to be getting muscular injuries for a guy that's so superbly conditioned. You know, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, you're saying, Jesus, how is that happening for a guy that's so dedicated and so invested in, in, in gym work and, and his physical conditioning? James, Eddie, you should look at my injury list from the last 10 years. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Well, lads, well, lads, well, lads, lads you're, you're touching on the length of the championship and I, and, and I have to touch on it myself. The imbalance of the championship, I think it has, seriously, seriously has to be looked at. I mean, I mean, you look at the Munster Championship games in contrast to the Leinster games Saturday. It's chalk and cheese and I don't know what the, what the solution is does Ford play third in a, in a quarter-final playoff or something like that along those lines? Because I think something seriously has to be looked at the imbalance of this championship. Yeah, look- no, no, John, I, I, I would disagree with you that the fourth and third, right, that the, the system is, is as it is. But I think to fix the points of what you're making, I think what we're ultimately looking at is a 10 or 12 team championship league-based format. Now, whenever that's going to happen, I think it would be the product that the the GA would love where the top teams are playing each other in some kind of a league-based format where, you know, the top four go... I don't know what way... Like, it, it's it's a body of work. Do you and still the play Leinster? The, Do you still play Leinster? No, I don't, I don't know. You're going to have to get... I think you're going to have to get colourful with the Leinster and Munster. And don't get... Like, the Munster is a brilliant... It's the jewel in the crown and it's what it gives yeah. us every... But I just think, on John's point, to, to, to level the playing field, right, for every team, you, you possibly need a league-based format where you have five matches, you know, whatever it starts, and that they're playing each other, and then you, you fizzle out into maybe whatever way it, it works for knockouts. Some format like that, that, that maybe throws up the balance a little bit, be it seeding, I don't know what way it is. But I think if you were to look at it that way, if you have a 10-team or 12-team championship, doesn't the cream float to the top then in terms of, and there's a fairness then with everyone playing everyone or something like that. And I know there's issues there with uh, time, championship matches and all that. It's it, it's a big workload. But I think that's probably the fairest one for all the teams in, in their pursuit of an All-Ireland title. Because I think if you rank the teams 1 to 10, you would have the five Munster teams. You'd have the top seven 
would be have five monster teams. I'll put it to you that way. And Kilkenny and Galway thrown in as well. So it is a bit, a bit is it a bit off kilter? Uh, but I, I don't envisage anything like that happening until we have a problem with Munster or we have a problem. You know, the Munster yeah. means too much. We only have two provincial competitions in Hurling and one of them is one of the Holy Grails almost. You know what I mean? And the Leinster yeah. Trophy is still very, very important as well. But uh, I, I do agree that it is, um, it is off kilter at the moment. Just, just before you go, Will, I just want to, I just want to touch on one thing. Yes, now I was up at the covering the the, the Clare Tipperary game, and look, such was the bad press that the the Arsenal team got. Um, you know, with that young kid as as the mascot, no one engaging or even talking to the, to the poor girl. There was one fabulous moment yesterday in the aftermath of the match. Noel McGrath was a young Tipperary kid. He came came in. He, he came into the pitch in the aftermath after the match aftermath of the match and. Was getting his picture taken with a couple of the McGraths, and Noel McGrath took off his jersey. I don't think it was number eleven or number ten that you'd normally have. <laughs> I think it was number twenty-three or twenty-four. But to see that young kid's eyes just lighten up, I just said to myself, you know what? That's the difference between a GA player and a top, top-class soccer player. And I just thought it was just that was the highlight for me at the, the weekend, just to see that. And I think I think Ray McMahon, a sports fan. Uh, I think he picked up in the picture, but you know, fair juice to Norm McGrath that he would have to do it would have for the kids, Jesse, you know. And uh, just on that as well, them squad numbers are absolutely bonkers. And looking at the oh. match program was I've never it was so strange to to look at. Um I can un- listen, I can understand why they're doing it, but to me, I don't know about G, like uh the you were very rarely on the bench, but anytime I was on the bench you'd be nearly trying to swap and get rid of that number as quick as you could <laughs> a, a, after the match. Like, 1-15 to 15 is the holy grail to me in my yeah, head. Yeah. And I was only thinking, like, Eddie, you're synonymous with 13. Tommy, uh, John is synonymous with 13. Tommy is synonymous with 5. Like, I, I hope we don't lose that, like, associating with players with numbers. Like, Shawnee no, McMahon at 6, you know? I agree, but it's probably only a matter of time. Isn't, isn't it a market play in some ways, if you like? Yeah. Put a squad, na- or put a squad number on... Tony Kelly, if he's number eight, Kelly eight. It's only True, a matter yeah. of time. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. Uh, something like that happens. I'll tell you, it's it's it's, it's a nightmare now. If you're having a match and you have a problem in front of you, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to thank John and Eddie and Michael for joining me on the latest episode of the Throwdown Podcast. We'll be back next week with another show, looking back on all the championship action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on Independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening. And goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.